0: Up right there, I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah, I, I need
1: friends. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows.
0: Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight, and let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Suicide
1: Squadcast. So Tim, your week, how's it been? Oh, it's been cold, man. It's been cold and snowy, and I'm just ready for holiday break, man. I'm just, I'm I'm like done. I've had a long year at work, and I just need that time off. And, you know, it's not helping that I'm getting all the snow right now. And you probably have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to snow. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a bit. Oh.
0: No, I've seen, I've, I've seen CNN, I've seen the polar vortex, uh, <laughs> but I, all I've gotten is like gray skies and wind. Yeah, that's been my cold weather, yeah. as far as like what southerners call cold. You know, let's be honest here.
1: Oh man, have, have you ever had any
0: snow down? relift? Oh, uh, lots of times, especially the blizzard of '93. Oh, okay. that was the one that was like 12 inches in my front yard. Like you know, we freak out. I mean, and then we had the snow apocalypse two years ago. There wasn't a lot of snow, but it was the ice. So, yes, yeah. I have seen snow in my life. This mythical white <laughs> stuff that falls from
1: the sky. Yes, Tim, we have seen it here in Alabama. Okay, I just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Yeah, you know, I, I was I was worried you were getting a little soft on me when it comes to weather, but uh, you at least have had, what, 12 inches, so that's not too bad.
0: Uh, what can I say?
1: So, yeah, so just trying to stay warm this week. Well, how about you, man? What have you been up to? Uh,
0: it was the last week before going into Christmas break, so a lot of grading. Okay. Well, st- still get a lot of gr- – I still have a little bit of grading left. I just, I just didn't feel – you know, the spirit wasn't moving me today. I was like, you know what? I'll take it. It'll take me like 30 minutes one day that I just decide I'm going to wipe out the last of these projects. But uh, but it, but when the bell rang today, it was I went and picked up my boy. We came back. I actually got to watch the premiere of Justice League action tonight. Yeah, I saw that as well. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I'm curious about your thoughts. It, it felt like somewhere in between Justice League Unlimited and Batman the Brave and the Bold. That's exactly like for, where it was. Yes. That's the <laughs> sensibility yeah. of it. I really enjoyed it. I really did.
1: Yeah, you know, I need to give it a second watch because uh, I was kind of playing Mr. Mom tonight, so my wife was out, and so I was watching the two kids and getting them ready for bed and all that, but I had them watching in the background as I was getting things cleaned up, and uh, so I was kind of like partially watching it. There were some parts where I, you know, was able to kind of watch it straight for maybe like five or ten minutes, and but I had some stuff I needed to do, so I didn't really get the entire episode, you know, to really watch yet. So, I mean, for what I saw, I mean, the way you described it is exactly right. It's not quite Justice League Unlimited, and it's not... Quite White, Batman Brave and the Bold, I think it was kind of perfect for what, you know, they're trying to do. They're, you know, they're really going for that young audience. My daughter loved it. My daughter's seven, and she really liked the episode. Uh, my son didn't like it so much because he gets a little freaked out with some of the scary parts. You know, he just turned four, so...
0: So you're raising a wimp, that's what you're telling me. Not raising a wimp. He's... he's you're,
1: you're raising... He's a little sensitive to uh-huh. uh, some scary monsters at this point, you know. Uh, maybe that has to do with us threatening him when he won't go to bed that we're going to let the evil monkey out of his closet, but, you know, that's besides the point.
0: <laughs> well, my my three year old watched it just fine. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he got very upset with the commercials because we don't have live television a lot. So he doesn't understand this whole concept of commercial breaks. Yeah. <laughs> so, he'd be, so when the commercials come out, he's like, Daddy, I want to watch the show. I was like, I do too, son. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. It was really funny because I actually tweeted that out. And then Jim Krieg, the uh, the director of the show, actually quoted my tweet oh, that's and funny. said, Me too. It was, gr- <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah, that's but it was a lot just of funny. funny. He, he was like, Daddy, hold me. And so I was like, oh, So we were just sitting there together and then when the commercial break happened it was like i want the show <laughs> but you know he had a great time yeah, great. i enjoyed it and man the amount of characters they threw in just in those four episodes
1: it was a whole bunch but my you know one of the things my daughter said is she says where's flash at she wanted to know where flash was oh i just appreciate seeing john constantine <laughs> yeah i mean it was pretty surreal i saw the part with swamp thing and you had john constantine in there uh saw swamp thing whipping his little uh vines around or whatever you want to call them tendrils that was pretty surreal to actually see that but it was it was cool you could you could tell that they're really trying to go after probably what their future properties are going to be because you know John Constantine obviously is kind of an important property for Warner Brothers DC Films here you know kind of going forward they you know they definitely want to do something with him so it was it was kind of cool and maybe a little bit surreal to actually see him mixed in with the Justice Leaguers same thing with Swamp Thing as well
0: oh yeah but did you know that Mark Hamill was the voice of Swamp Thing oh I didn't know that yeah yeah he's going to be Joker and Swamp Thing those those are going to be his regular
1: uh characters for the show oh that's awesome yeah so a lot of fun I think. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good show for that demographic they're going for so I, th- I think it's well done can't wait to see where it goes it, now this was like an hour long episode and so these are going to be what 11 minute episodes
0: yeah 11 minute episodes because the uh, the hour long was really just four episodes that they just aired back to back to back to back yeah because you can even you even watching it you know when the episode ended and where the next one picked up like okay. you, you could t- you could tell that oh that's an episode it had a beginning middle and an end and then you know if so when you go back and you actually pay attention to it you'll you'll feel there's episode one, there's episode two, there's episode three, and there's episode four. Like, okay. You'll do it. And then I know that they'll start reguling, uh, they'll start regularly airing the episodes. I believe on Christmas Eve is when uh, it starts back up.
1: Okay. Well, I just wanted to know like when they're going to make it available digitally because I went to go see if I can go ahead and you know purchase the season pass on it, and it was no dice.
0: Yeah, I was, I've was. i been looking for a
1: while on that too because I've been checking Vudu, and they didn't have it yet either. Yeah, I, I kind of ran through all the different services. Nothing there yet. So I'm real curious. Maybe the director can let us know. Ah, uh, well, Jim, Jim, are you listening? No? <laughs> well, hopefully. So, hey, but Scott, man, enough about cartoons, man. We got some serious business going on with DC Films. So let's cartoons are serious. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's tr- that is true, but not for this show right now. We have some some kind of big shakeup news over at DC Films. Actually, DC Films is not really the right place where the shake. It's really Warner Brothers. So, Warner Brothers has decided to move out their president of creative development and worldwide production, Greg Silverman. He has moved out of Warner Brothers at this point. And he's moving on to other things. And so Kevin Sujahara, CEO of Warner Brothers, has promoted Toby Emmerich, who is currently with New Line right now.
0: He is the president COO of uh, of New Line.
1: Yeah, so he's one of kind of three people that he's had over there, right? Over at New Line.
0: Yeah, because, you know, they've also got Richard Brenner and Carolyn Blackwood are going to be taking over New Line once Emmerich sort of takes over. as I believe the post is President of Creative Development and Worldwide Production was officially Silverman's title. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because you said that Warner Brothers was moving him out, and it's interesting is that it depends on which article you read to know what really is going on. Some say he's stepping down, some say he's being pushed out. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, it depends on who you read on this. We read about three different articles, and not a single one of them could agree yeah. on kind of the nitpicky details about what's actually going on with this.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a little bit of truth to whether he's being moved out or whether he's decided to move on. I, th- I think it's a little bit of both, quite honestly. I honestly think it is too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so here's the kind of the, the story with Silverman. So, he he actually started with the company. I mean, he's a long-time Warner Brothers guy, right? Uh, from what I understand now, you know, nail me to the wall and ask me what,
0: when he joined the studio. I can't exactly tell you, but mm-hmm. I know that he's been operating for several years in this capacity that he's leaving now.
1: Yeah, this was when Kevin Sujahara created his little um, a three-person I don't know what you call it, kind of brain trust. A triumvirate.
0: Yeah. It was Sue Kroll and Emmerich and Silverman. Yeah, those were the three. That was like about four years ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, and when, when Sujahara kind of set this all up after the the previous Warner Brothers chief had kind of left, and
1: Warner Brothers was, was in like major shakeup mode. Yeah, and the way this was organized, uh, Silverman had Warner Brothers Studio, and then Emmerich had New Line, and then Sue Kroll's role was really kind of more on the marketing side. Yes, because she's staying in that role. That
0: that she's not being affected by these changes.
1: Right. Yeah. So uh, so this was um, a, a lot of people inside the industry have kind of predicted that this was going to happen for quite a while. I, I think one thing that's probably a little bit true is that. That, you know, he's kind of been on the outs. Like I kind of feel like Warner brothers, at least Kevin Sujahara has lost a little bit of faith in him. And uh, it was just kind of time to make a change. And especially with everything going on with the upcoming potential merger with ATT, and it was just one of these things where I felt like they needed to make a change. It seems like at least from this first article, which was with a deadline kind of describes that Silverman had already kind of decided that he was kind of itching to move on to something else, that he wanted to do something a little bit more entrepreneurial rather than be, uh, you know, somebody just, you know, working for a corporation.
0: Yeah, but then you look at something like the Hollywood Reporter article, which then was saying, which kind of pegged that, you know, Warner Brothers did not have a good 2015. Mm -hmm. They did have a good 2016, and that's actually something the Deadline article brought up. Yeah. With Silverman kind of tooting his own horn a little bit, saying, hey, 2016 was like the second highest profitable year in the studio's history, so Mm -hmm. you know, that was him kind of like covering his own butt on his way out, but the Hollywood Reporter article by and Masters point out the fact that Silverman was kind of in charge when Warner Brothers had some pretty giant flops with Jupiter Ascending, Pan, and In the Heart of the Sea. Right, those did not perform well by any measure, and so I think you know his name was mud pretty much with you know those epic flops.
1: Yeah, and then on top of that, I mean, if you look at the DC films, the expectations were that Batman v Superman was going to make more money than it did, and you know it wasn't a financial flop, but I think most people would agree that it, it underperformed what you know it probably should have made and then at the same time uh, some people say that suicide squad underperformed which I, I wouldn't say that at all and in fact no. I think that was the the rap article kind of implied that which I think is kind of ridiculous I don't know who could have expected an unknown property like suicide squad to, to make as much as it did or you know expect that it should make that much more than what it already did
0: yeah I was just watching Twitter kind of blow up when you know people talking about that underperformed moniker and, and I hadn't read the article yet I just saw the reaction to the article and I was like underperformed under what standard yeah now <laughs> Some people have jumped to the defense to say that when they used the term "underperformed," they were talking about the the critical reception, the critical response. They weren't yeah. talking about the dollar amount, but I don't know. Sometimes you have to go; you really have to read the article to really understand what they meant by that. But yeah. I, I can't imagine you thinking Suicide Squad, you know, financially underperformed, especially yeah. with the budget that it had.
1: Yeah. So I mean, this is kind of interesting because you know, Warner Brothers is definitely kind of feeling the heat from Disney now. And, you know, for a long time, Warner Brothers was kind of the premier studio. Um, you know, they put out you know, usually around 20 films a year and all that. And they've always, you know, been right up there either one or two for quite a while. And I don't know how long they, it's been since they were, like, number one. But I know, like, a couple of years ago, they went from being the number one studio to, like, I think, actually the third, right?
0: I think—I can't remember if it was the third or if it was even less than third.
1: Yeah. Well, and that was basically, you know, when, when Disney, you know, started expanding themselves. And, you know, Disney for the longest time, it was just Disney proper, and then they bought Pixar. And, you know, they would make maybe one or two films a year. If you if you included Pixar, you get two— a year. Yeah, two a year. So, I mean, it was pretty small, but once they picked up Marvel Studios and then especially Lucasfilms, I mean, you know, you just got some some major silos within Disney that is now is just putting out big hits one after another. And it's going to be hard for Warner Brothers to compete with that when Warner Brothers doesn't necessarily focus so much on tentpole films. And, and now you're starting to see Warner Brothers start to make some adjustments because, you know, as we talked about last week and even the week before, that uh, Warner Brothers, especially if you look at what they see as their strategy kind of going forward, that Uh, When it comes to cinema, you are now competing with very good TV dramas. And so you see the focus being more so towards big event films. And that's quite a bit different than what Warner Brothers has done in the past.
0: Yeah. And then the rap article, which of the three articles that we read, the Deadline, the rap and Hollywood Reporter, the rap tend to be more the sky is falling Mm -hmm. version of the story. And they wanted to point out the fact that the whole DC Films moniker being created and John Berg and Jeff Johns being kind of named as head of that. Was uh, their not even their implication? They flat out say it that Sujahara lost faith in Silverman after BVS, and that that was to basically get Silverman out of the way and not let him be in charge of DC Films. Mm -hmm. You know, and and the rap is of course using a whole lot of unnamed sources and insiders to write this story. And I'm sure there is some truth in it. It's Mm -hmm. it's just the Deadline article is a little bit more you know puppy dogs and rainbows. the rap is The Sky is Falling, and I feel like that Kim Master's Hollywood Reporter article is kind of like the truth lies somewhere in the middle type right. of article. That's exactly how I read as well. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend reading the Hollywood Reporter version of it because she really does talk about the pros and the cons. Like, she talks about how Warner Brothers had a really good 2016. You know, yes, they, you know, Batman maybe underperformed, but still, $873 million, ain't nothing to sneeze at.
1: Yeah, so the other thing that's kind of interesting about this is this is a pro- pretty big change, you know, in terms of like what you're really bringing in. Now, you had, you know, Silverman, who was pretty accustomed to at least, you know, most recently dealing with some of these really big budget films. You have Emmerich, who's coming in, who really with New Line has been dealing with much smaller budgets. And so I kind of wonder how the transition for him is going to be. And, you know, moving from that to, to, you know, a big studio that's really kind of pushing a lot more towards these tentpole type films, you know, because most recently, New Line has been doing some films like Central Intelligence. And the conjuring and things like that, you know, much smaller budgets, but then you know they've actually performed extremely well with the small budget. So I kind of wonder if maybe this isn't really part of the equation down the road as well to try to do more with a lesser budget.
0: Well, and also something else that the Hollywood Reporter article brings up is the fact that Emmerich is kind of
1: in with
0: Sujihara and Jeff Bukas. So there's a little bit of this is our guy, and you know, and, and since you know he's going to be kind of in charge of development for Warner Brothers' pictures, they want. Somebody? I, I, are they looking for a yes man, or are they just looking for someone who they trust and they feel like either they can have control over, or that they have a they have an understanding of how he thinks and how he works, and they maybe or feel more comfortable with him in that position. I I don't know. I mean, it, it it's office politics. It's mm-hmm. what all this is. Yeah. A- and I don't know. And like I said, it just depends on which version of the story you read is to how this plays out and what light does. This the shed on Warner Brothers. Because you know, a lot of people want to throw DC specifically into this, but you gotta remember, this is a studio, you know, Warner Brothers is not just DC. And so they're reacting to how the studio's been doing as a whole. Mm-hmm. And their point is not so hot, even though 2016 was good right. for them, but that was based on BVS and Suicide Squad and Fantastic Beats and Where to Find them.
1: Yeah, I really think you know the, the big nail in the coffin to me is probably, you know, when you take a look at what happened with Pan and Heart of the Sea, Jupiter Ascending. I mean, those were some high hopes type films that just really, really underperformed. And I think I think you're really kind of hitting on it when, you know, a studio is putting out like, say, 20 films a year, but only two of those are DC films, you're really relying on those other 18 films to, to perform well. And you, when you're having some big misses through there, you know, the error just compounds itself. Now, what I feel is going to be real interesting to kind of watch here, the other part with Emmerich coming over, he's coming from a studio that is just a lot more, I, I guess you would call it like concept driven uh, in terms of their approach to films.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you look at, you know, they even get collateral beauty that, like, whether that just come out, mm-hmm. did that just come out this weekend or was that last weekend that that came out with Will Smith, which has not been getting good, um, not been getting good critical reception. Yeah. But who, who knows, you know, not like critical reception is exactly the predictor of financial success these days, as we've experienced in 2016. But yeah, the New Line is, New Line is that is a weird studio that you, they don't have a specific flavor that mm-hmm. you get from them. Right. Except for like, you, you said lower budgets. You know, Central Intelligence only being 217 million, or Conjuring only being just north of 300 million. I mean, based on other films' budgets, these are kind of small.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's how much they had grossed, right? So, but their budgets were quite small. But I mean, that's that's really kind of like the hallmark of what New Line has always been about. And uh, so, it'll be interesting to see Emmer come over and see how he can kind of fit into what Warner Brothers tries to sell itself as, which is really often you know more of a filmmaker star-driven type of studio. So, it's gonna be real interesting to watch it. So, I you know I think in the End. I think with some of the greater Warner Brother films uh, really performing poorly, it feels like you know this is a change that probably had to be made.
0: Yeah, and and it's something that all the articles agree on is that this is in the shadow of the pending AT and T merger, right? And them trying to make themselves look uh, more attractive, and you know they they want this to be a smooth transition if it gets approved. And I think this is one of those greasing the wheel kind of actions that are just part of the process.
1: So anyway, so that's kind of our take on it, and. uh, uh, we'll just have to, we'll see where it goes from here, and I just, you know, like I said, I, I think this is a case where, a, a, you know, a change is probably going to be for the best here. Yeah.
0: Well, let's move on to some Suicide Squad news, which by the way, it came out this Tuesday on Blu-ray and 4K and DVD, so I hope you've bought your copy and have enjoyed it this week. Was, yeah. You know, but, it, kind of in celebration of that, Margot Robbie was named Best Actress in an Action Movie by the Critics Choice Awards. Which is strange, considering how how rough the critics were on the film overall. Right. But um, but you got to think about this. It's best actress in an action movie. So right. I mean they've yep. already kind of created a little niche here that <laughs> we're talking about. Right. And I feel like Margot Robbie was one of the I mean Margot Robbie and Will Smith were kind of the parts of the movie that everyone seemed to kind of like praise. Yeah. So.
1: It, well let's be clear here too now. Margot Robbie actually went up against Gal Gadot for Batman v Superman Scarlett Johansson for Captain America Civil War and then Tilda Swinton for Doctor Strange. Which
0: you know the only one on there that I really felt would be real competition would be Tilda Swinton. Right, right. For, you know, if you're talking about, if you're talking about an acting award, she was good in Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's one of those that's like, you know, Gall just wasn't in BVS enough. Right. And
1: neither was Scarlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she definitely wasn't in BVS.
0: Wait, you jerk.
1: <laughs> you know what I meant. Yes, I know what you meant. But I just, I had to take that needless shot. Anyway, so, you know, I, I think it just, uh it's kind of clear. I mean, Margot Robbie just had that star power. She just did a fantastic job in Suicide's squad. So And so this actually dovetails really nicely in the news that we just got this week that there is a new DC film that has been greenlit, which is called Gotham City Sirens. And this is going to be helmed and directed by David Ayer. Let's tell you what we know so far. David Ayer is going to direct this film, and uh, Margot Robbie is actually going to star in it as well and reprise her role as Harley Quinn. But she's also going to be an executive producer of this film.
0: This is this film that we've been hearing about for like months now. Yes. And so it just when we got the title, you know, everyone had been saying it was either going to be a Gotham a Gotham City Sirens movie or a Birds of Prey movie. And right. it's a Gotham City Sirens. So we're all like, yes!
1: Yeah. And this is the uh, film that apparently Margot Robbie has talked about and hinting at that she had actually gone to Warner Brothers about and was trying to push to do. And so they liked to, uh, I guess they liked to pitch the sell and decided to go with it. So she's going to executive produce and uh, I guess Jeff Johns and John Berg will also be, I would assume, executive producing as well. But what's interesting is David. Air is also going to be a producer on this. Really? I didn't yeah. That part I missed. Yeah. So uh, this is kind of interesting in a lot of ways because we had heard at one point in time here that Suicide Squad 2 was in development. And apparently what's kind of come out of all this is that there is a plan to do Suicide Squad 2, but this project, I guess, was further matured or further along that it, it was kind of like the next one up. And so they're actually going to bring this one in before they do a Suicide Squad 2.
0: Well, I feel like it's because Margot Robbie had been really petitioning for this. I mean, she's already got a screenwriter mm-hmm. who's already working on the script. It's uh, Geneva Robertson Dort, I believe, would be th- yeah. that you'd say. She apparently has kind of become a, a sort of a hot commodity in Hollywood lately. She's co written Ares and Hibernation. She's part of the Transformers 5 writing team. She's working on a Tomb Raider remake that's uh, planned for 2018. And she's working on Sherlock Holmes 3, the uh, Robert Downey Jr. Jude Law franchise. So she's got her fingers in a lot of pies.
1: Yeah, but what's what's interesting about her is there are no feature films that she has been a screenwriter for that have been out there yet. When we talk about Aries and Hibernation, these are uh, screenplays that have been out there for a little bit. There's a lot of interest in them, and I guess um, you know you have um, I, I think they call it the blacklist, and she's like a blacklist screenwriter, and that basically is uh, when people do spec scripts and and maybe do screenplays like and all that. You have a bunch of people that review them, and uh, so she's kind of on the fast track. Like people really liking what they see with her. So, but this is going to be her first major film, I guess, here, right? Well, unless we get uh, Tomb Raider, it might come out before that.
0: Or Transformers 5.
1: Well, but I mean, Transformers, they're doing the, the whole writer's room kind of thing with Transformers, so she's yeah. not going to be the main screenwriter. She's she's one of many.
0: But that means that she's got some experience to cut her teeth on. For sure, though. for sure, yeah. And, I'm, and I just like the idea that the whole idea of this film is to showcase, and that was the word used in the article, showcase female DC villains, mm-hmm. which you know, when you hear the name Gotham City sirens. I mean, you you can't help but think about the comic book series that was p- originally penned by Paul Dini, and it featured Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn as the mm-hmm. as the lead characters. And so when they announced that, you know, everyone was like, "Well, then those must be the three characters in the movie." And then David Ayer kind of helped that along too.
1: For sure, yeah. I mean, the article had mentioned Poison Ivy and Catwoman, but it didn't say that those were the characters necessarily. Yeah, like you said, David Ayer just came out and tweeted a picture of the three of them, which basically confirmed it. <laughs> So, so this is pretty cool.
0: With the hashtag sirens forever.
1: Yeah. So uh, Poison Ivy is the one I just really, really want to see. Um, you know, my daughter just absolutely loves Poison Ivy. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's like a character she's so fixated on. So this is just going to be so fun to see it. And especially especially having David Ayer come in and direct this thing, I- I'm really curious about that. Like to me, that seems like quite honestly a little bit of a curious choice because he's such a dark director, you know, what he's done in the past. And it kind of makes me wonder if he's not trying to take some of the, the more lighter aspects of what they did in Suicide Squad and, and maybe try to tailor it a little more towards that. Because it seems like, you know, when you're doing this kind of a movie, you, you're going to want it to be more light.
0: Well, I, I, no, I will put cash money down that it was Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie's the executive producer. Margot Robbie shopped us to Warner Brothers. Margot Robbie found the screenwriter. I, I will put dollars to donuts that Margot Robbie said, and I want David directing. And Warner Brothers... I mean, I'm sure from what I, from every interview that I've seen, from the special features I've watched on the Suicide Squad home release, I, I felt like that she probably had a really great relationship with David Ayer, and she probably felt like since this is her passion project, she's like, if I want anyone directing the film that I'm putting so much into, I want David. I mm-hmm. really feel like that that's what went down in behind closed doors.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's why he's a director. I, I don't disagree at all. You know, I'm sure he's a director because it was. What what Margot Robbie was pushing for. But still, it just seems it seems a little curious to me that everyone would kind of agree that he's a director that should probably do this film. And I'm not saying I'm against it. I just like, I, I just kind of, you know, I felt like this would have been one opportunity where they would have brought somebody possibly else in. But I'm very happy to see David come back.
0: I really feel like Margot Robbie didn't give him a choice. I really, I really have this feeling like when I read this and I saw that it was the two of them together, mm-hmm. I really feel like she went to the mat yep. for David. I really, that's the really the the feel I get.
1: Yep. Anyway, so this is really, really cool, and I can't remember if they say anything about timing on this. They don't, actually. There, yes. There's
0: none of that, because they, they mentioned that there is a Suicide Squad sequel coming out, and that they're looking into a spinoff for Deadshot, yeah. which doesn't surprise me. Once again, I think I, I, I said it earlier. Will Smith and Margot Robbie were the two parts of that movie that a lot of people you know gravitated toward.
1: Well, I mean, it's your star power.
0: Well, it, it, it was their star power, and their star power delivered. Yeah. I would say.
1: They, they put their star power on characters that they felt like were going to deliver. So, you know, it's I mean, it, I'm sure when they, you know, talked Will Smith into coming in, this was always part of like the potential plan. And this had to be part of the cell, you know, with Will Smith.
0: Well, once again, when we talk about the story from last week where he had to decide between Suicide Squad and um, Independence Day 2, yeah. you know, he was thinking about oh, of course. Hmm, a sequel to a movie or a movie that's part of a cinematic universe, which mm-hmm. means that I can appear in multiple films. Of course,
1: he, of course, yeah,
0: of course, I was in the calculus.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, really good news. I'm glad to find to get some confirmation on it. Now, uh, we have to talk about this one. I don't... Do we have to? Yes, we have we, to. Yes, we have to. Because
0: Noel from Asian Adapt even asked us, <laughs> and she, I, lo- I love the way she put it. She was like, agree, disagree, or refuse to acknowledge, and I went, refuse to acknowledge.
1: And so we're talking about the rumor of Megan Fox playing Poison Ivy. No, no,
0: no. I, I, I don't want it to happen, so I don't want to believe in it. Yeah.
1: Well, this comes from Bleeding Cool, uh, Rich Johnson, and Johnson has apparently a source who has, I guess, proof that Megan Fox has been ordering some comic books online that have been delivered to her over at Warner Brothers Studio address. And the, I guess there was like three issues that were selected and they were all, I think they were like, were they Harley Quinn? Yeah, they were Harley Quinn issues. They,
0: they were Harley Quinn books, but the, but pre-Flashpoint.
1: Pre-Flashpoint that dealt with Poison Ivy. Yeah. So in my take on this, and I think my little snarky comment to Noelle was, uh, I've had my Megan Fox news filter on, so I haven't even heard the. This rumor, but I think my take on this anyway, and I'll tell you why I, I don't buy this rumor. If she was really the person that was going to be playing Poison Ivy, she would not be needing to purchase her own comic books. All this material would be provided to her by Warner Brothers or by DC Entertainment by somebody. I mean, she wouldn't have she wouldn't be needing to purchase this unless she was trying to prep herself for maybe an audition of some sort.
0: See, that's where I was going. Yeah, I this might not be a situation where she has the role, it may be something where she wants the role role, And so she's starting to do research. Right now, I don't want her. I don't want her ten feet near this project. Not at all. Not. I. I'm not. Am not a Megan Fox fan. I'm gonna be. It, so this is complete prejudice and bias coming from me. But I don't want her near that film. This is not. I, definitely not Poison Ivy. That's definitely not a character for her. She
1: has not shown me in any film that she's got the acting chop to
0: pull off that role. Right.
1: Yeah. So. Um. So I guess that's uh, the Suicide Squad cast conclusion. Here is. Uh, Uh, We're not necessarily buying this rumor.
0: was not like that's a giant shock. We don't buy a lot of rumors. (laughs) Okay. So kind of swinging back to Suicide Squad, which we kind of went off on a tangent there, but that was a fun tangent. You know you liked it. Uh, Apparently, Suicide Squad is on the, quote, shortlist uh, for best score for the Academy Awards. I was kind of, I'm going to be honest, kind of surprised me because I didn't find the score that memorable to be nominated. Me
1: To be honest. Well, no, it's not nominated. It's eligible. It's eligible. Yeah. That's yes, right. Right. So the kind of the news here is that, you know, Suicide Squad is one of 145 films this past year that is eligible for best score for the Oscars. So there's not a there's not a whole lot of real news here, but some people were kind of raising this as an issue like, well, how did Hans Zimmer and Tom Hulkenberg not get nominated for Batman v Superman because it was a fantastic score? And I guess the point on this. Amazing score. It's an amazing score. So the point on this, uh, since BVS is not one of the 145, 145 films that are eligible, the reason is because the rules. Do not allow you to be eligible if you rely on a lot of previous work that's been used. And so, the Batman v Superman score, of course, used you know leaned pretty heavily on the, the Man of Steel uh, soundtrack. So that's why that one has not made the list.
0: Which is weird because I, while there was some Man of Steel stuff in it, I felt like there was so much more of it was new that mm-hmm. the that the Man of Steel stuff shouldn't have it was not a large enough percentage to disqualify it. Right. I I, I don't understand that because it was my favorite favorite score of the year mm-hmm.
1: and it just it, that hurts it really does hurt that yeah. it's not even going to be considered to be nominated yeah I would agree with that as well I mean I, I thought that was a tenfold times more memorable than the Suicide Squad soundtrack was so. so anyway we have an opportunity for Stephen Price to maybe get another opportunity to win an Oscar for his score which he had actually he was the winner for Gravity back in 2014
0: okay this next story I, I didn't even hear about it I saw the reactions to it and it kind of ticked me off I'm going to be honest with you but uh, the Guardian reported, and it, I mean, a lot of people reported. it, we, we just read the Guardian article, that Wonder Woman has been removed from being the UN Honorary Ambassador for Women due to protests. Now, back in October, when the ceremony actually happened, we already reported that there was a faction within the UN that mm-hmm. was not happy with this selection. Right. But apparently, there was a petition signed by 45,000 people that was presented to the UN Secretary General, and the petition... Petition, and this is a quote from the petition, it is alarming that the United Nations would consider using a character with an overtly sexualized image at a time when the headline news in the United States and the world is the objectification of women and girls. She's a large-breasted white woman of impossible proportions, scantily clad in a shimmery, thigh-bearing bodysuit. Okay, what I loved, in fact, was that Nicholas Scott and Liam Sharp, who are the current artists mm-hmm. on Wonder Woman, Nicholas Scott doing the year one arc and Liam Sharp doing, the present day arc. I love the fact that they tweet out pictures of their own work going, what you talking about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Like, they're impossible proportions. Then <laughs> They showed their rather, you know, well-drawn, you know, proportionate Wonder Woman that's in the comics now going, what is your issue? What is your deal? Because they said the petition actually calls out the current iteration of the character. Mm-hmm. And
1: they were like, uh, what? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of silly, too, because, I mean, when it comes to this whole honorary position, I mean, this this honorary position is just that. It's it's usually for like a fictional type of character. L- just to give you an example, we even had a character from Angry Birds served as a climate change ambassador uh, for a single day back in March. And this was a UN designation. We've had other ones, uh, including like Winnie the Pooh for an ambassador for friendship back in 97.
0: Oh, bother. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Tinkerbell was an honorary ambassador for basically green initiatives to promote environmental awareness. Well, that was back in 2009. So, I mean, this whole thing is kind of silly because, I mean, one of the, I think, real relevant things that we're was raised about this when people started having a little conniption about choosing Wonder Woman. They said, well, what, how about we celebrate some real women? And they said, yeah, of course, that's that's a great idea. And we definitely are doing that. So I don't know, whatever <laughs> at this point. The sad thing about this is uh, DC Entertainment clearly had plans to really celebrate Wonder Woman all throughout this upcoming year, which is her 75th anniversary. But that's still going to go on. It really is just because she's not going to be the honorary ambassador of the UN. You know, that's, that's not going to change those plans of this upcoming year. But whatever. I just I kind of found this whole thing to be completely silly. We're talking about a fictional character here.
0: Yeah. Well, it's kind of like how we, we, the way we, I feel like we just, we discussed our thoughts on the protests back in October when this first happened in the first place. And the only ridiculous thing is that, so you get 45,000 signatures for a worldwide organization and that's enough to go, okay, we're going to pull it now. Yeah. Really? That's all it took? Yeah. Uh, whatever yeah. moving
1: on so speaking of moving on justice league so it looks like we're not going to get any kind of trailer here because I, I haven't heard anything about rogue one there's no trailer attached to that that was kind of like the last chance we were gonna you know maybe get this year if we were gonna get a Justice league trailer it was gonna be attached to that film has not happened so it looks like you know w- when do you think it might be you think the trailer might actually happen
0: i've been hearing february probably around lego batman
1: yeah i think that's a logical one
0: that's the there are other theories mm-hmm. but both of them are in february i the one was lego batman i I forgot what the second one was. Yeah. But that everyone's kind of doing the, it's kind of shooting for the February frame which is fine because that's when you kind of get out of award season films mm-hmm. because you know December and January is when they start dropping their Oscar bait mm-hmm. and then February is when sort of the crowd placers start to kind of eke back into the, the cinemas mm-hmm. and so I, I think Lego Batman would be the perfect film to attach it to.
1: Yeah I mean I think it, I think Rogue One would have been fantastic as well, though. I mean, just because you're going to get a ton of people seeing that film. But, I mean, this is kind of a day and age where I think trailers attached to films really don't have that much of an impact anymore because, I mean, most people see trailers online anyway, so I don't think it has the big impact at Hegstaff.
0: Well, when they released the trailers like the day before you could see it, I mean, Wonder Woman, even though Wonder Woman was attached to Doctor Strange, they still released the Wonder Woman trailer the day before Doctor Strange came out. So, it's a moot point, honestly. Yeah.
1: Well, did you see that new image of Jason Momoa that was published on Zack Snyder's Vero account. I did. I yeah. did. Uh, working in the dark was his comment. Yeah. And then, of course, I, what I loved was
0: the some of our listeners on Twitter going, the next headline is, why only why only good filmmakers work in the light? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right. Did you see that one? No, that's funny. I, <laughs> it's, oh God. Just, it's silly. So this <laughs> looks like a little image of Jason Momoa. I guess it looks like this town up in Iceland. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So he's talking to some... I assume this is in the context of the film. It looks like some shorter woman. I don't know who that might even be. I don't think that would have been Amber Heard. She looks like she has brunette hair.
0: She has brunette hair. that, that yeah. she. Yeah. She's had, she doesn't have that flaming red hair that they've given her as Mara, so. Yeah. So
1: anyway, very cool. I, you know, Zack Snyder's great at this, just small little teases. But did you actually see the Jason Momoa video? It's this little short video. It was, what, about eight or nine minutes?
0: Yeah. It was a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be, and I'm, yeah. that's not a complaint. It was like, wow, this is actually a very well-done little video. I would almost, I would say it was almost like a video essay.
1: Yeah, I think so. That's it, 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 exactly what I, I think that's a perfect description. It was published on this site called Outside Online, and what's really great about it is, you know, he kind of talks a little bit about his life, how he grew up, and how he was raised by his mother, and kind of like what the roots were for him. But then it transitions over to him talking about what it means for him to be a father, that this has been something that it has always wanted. And he goes at great length in this little film to talk about, you know, how he's got these three kids, and he's doing everything he can to try to inspire them and and really kind of teach them to kind of see the world through the same eyes that he had and so he's trying to teach him a lot of diverse really kind of artistic type of aspects of life you know he gets them into music into nature he's got him rock climbing and skating and art and all that and it was just a really really touching video of kind of talking about how how he wants to kind of influence his kids and to kind of see the world the way he did but then also kind of leave like all these memories with them and uh, he talks about it, these little pair of pants as well that I, I apparently it must be a, a favorite pair of pants of his that, you know, have got all these little rips and tears and stains on them and all that. And But he says basically it's just a record of all the different adventures he's had. But it was just a real touching video, especially if you're like a father.
0: Now, if you're not a father and you don't care about any of that, the, the part of the video you might be interested in is the fact that there is behind-the-scenes footage of Justice League of them yeah. filming in Iceland, yeah. which is kind of what got this video on everybody's radar because there you know there's even some, there's a brief shot of Zack Snyder, and so you do get to see him working in that Icelandic village and yeah. full tat, tatted up, you know, BA, you know, Aquaman, you know, that we're looking forward to in Justice League. So yeah. there is that in the video if you're not the sentimental type and like, you know, blubbering like we are as fathers. So, you know, it's just the way it goes sometimes.
1: <laughs> I tweeted it out. If you guys want to find a link, go to my Twitter account. You know, I just tweeted it out recently. So it is a great video. It's it really kind of touched me, you know, you know, especially being a father. So uh, I, I would gather I would even say even if you're not a father or a mother, I think it would still touch you as well because I mean it's, it's a very sweet story the way he kind of talks about uh, how important his kids are to him
0: now let's go from talking about fathers to talking about some brothers mm-hmm. because oh man Deadline reported Patrick Wilson has been cast as Orm the mm-hmm. Ocean Master yeah it, oh, I am I was very excited to hear about this now if you don't know who Patrick Wilson is where have you been mm-hmm. um, he was Night Owl in Zack Snyder's Watchmen he was in two of James Wan's Conjuring films so he's got a connect to to DC to Zack Snyder and to the director James Wan mm-hmm. and and I, I think he's also been doing um, oh man he's he's kind of got his fingers in a lot of different pies mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what else he's been in lately but I mean those are the two things that
1: really kind of connect him to this studio and to this universe well he actually played the voice of the president in Batman v Superman
0: I know which of course we were told by Christian to you know not bring up because everyone was going to bring that up well <laughs> we brought it up anyway that's see Christian you. You didn't. You didn't poop on our party, as mm-hmm. I warned you would on Twitter. <laughs> but I'm excited about this. I, I I thought they had to have Orm and Aquaman solo film. Yeah, and I'm glad they're doing it now. They they, they call him Ocean Master because that's I mean That's how he's known in the uh, the comics. But I'm wondering if he is. Are we going to get to see full on Ocean Master, or are we just going to kind of see the conniving, duplicitous half brother? Kind of the you know Marvelites would re- would refer it to sort of like the Thor Loki relationship. For sure. Sure. Yep. But but uh, the only difference being that they are actual blood relations, which makes it really interesting. You know, since Orm is like full blown Atlantean, and uh, you know Arthur is half Atlantean, half human. Yeah, I just think that's a very interesting family dynamic. It really is very Shakespearean, mm-hmm. and I'm very intrigued to see how it plays out. Yeah. Uh, if you want a good Ocean Master story, you got to read Th- Throne of Atlantis. Because yeah. that was a very good uh, depiction of his character. Jeff Johns, you know, swung for the fences on that right. one.
1: And I'm really looking forward to actually seeing Patrick Wilson play kind of like a, an antagonist in a film. Uh, everything he's done up to this point has been the protagonist. And so this is a whole different angle from him that I've never seen personally. So, but yeah, I, just the idea of, you know, Orm being in this film and then it being Patrick Wilson. I mean, it's like two big wins for me. Yeah.
0: Yay. So tell us about some of these filming locations.
1: Yeah. So we got from the Courier Mail over in Australia. They had revealed that Aquaman is indeed going to be filming over in the Gold Coast in the southeast end of Queensland, and it's going to be done in the first half of 2017. Now, you know, the way they convinced uh, Warner Brothers and James Wan to come down there and film is they actually gave the studio, or they gave the production what amounts to about $16 million incentive to come and film there. Now, what's kind of funny, since this article is an Australian article, they had made a claim that it was going to be injecting $160 million into the local economy, and what's funny about this is people assume that the 100 Sixty million dollars was the budget, and so you saw this reported on all kinds of different sites that Aquaman's budget was 160 million. Well, what all these sites completely neglected to do was convert that over from Australian dollars to U.S. dollars. So, if you actually get that in U.S. dollars, that 160 million in Australian dollars is 117 million in U.S. dollars. And so, people were saying, "Well, this this budget's uh, you know somewhat close to where you know Suicide Squad was before the re, you know reshoots and all that." Well, that's that's really not at all the case. I mean, this is quite a bit smaller in terms of budget. It's 117 million, which is still quite a bit, but uh, certainly not what was being advertised by a lot of sites.
0: Yeah, I, I just I, I had to snicker at that. It's like, uh, check your currency, please. Really, honestly, do your due diligence.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's funny is ComicBook.com, uh, you know, wrote an article about it based on Courier Mail. Well, they they had gotten it wrong about what the conversion was, and then of course, Heroic Hollywood, as usual, copies whatever ComicBook.com does, and and they went on and copied the error, and then a lot of other <laughs> sites copied the error. So it's just kind of. Fun. Funny, you know. Again, always go back to the source material, guys. It's an Australian newspaper. They're talking <laughs> about Australian dollars. Yeah. So they talked about Amber Heard going back there. She was there recently with Pirates of the Caribbean. And if you remember, she was there and she actually got indicted, I guess, right? Because I think the story was that her and Johnny Depp had brought and snuck in their two dogs, uh, Pistol and Boo, into Australia on a private jet. And Australia has very uh, strict quarantine rules for bringing pets into the country and all that. So, so anyway, so that's it's kind of funny that the you know they're, they're going to let her come back, so which is good.
0: Well, but she she did plead guilty and she you know paid her bond, and so technically she should be in the clear at this point. Yeah. Now I I love the fact that uh, the the they're going to be doing the Village Roadshow Studios in Australia, and but they've also confirmed an Italian location, mm-hmm. and so the Italian location is from the Amalfi Coast. That unfortunately, when we talked about this, you know, back <laughs> in, when when this first came on Instagram, we thought it was Australia, just proving how much we know. Nothing Nothing think about geography. <laughs>
1: yep. We got corrected in pretty quickly from our Australian friends. <laughs> yes. We have yeah. a lot of Australian friends who are like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. We we're like, no, we
0: don't. We really don't. Yep. So now, so this was basically, this story coming out of the um, SMTV reports was basically just confirming what we had already assumed was that there would be some Italian shooting. Mm-hmm. And apparently, uh, they're going to set up shop at the Castle of Venus in September of next year. Yeah. So
1: they're going to spend most of 2017 filming this movie yeah but that's cool i mean that was uh so that castle i believe was that picture that we had james wan put out on instagram which showed him in a boat yeah
0: that's my understanding yeah
1: so it was that it was that cool little shot that we had in the background so so now i guess it's finally confirmed that is a site that he ended up selecting to go ahead and shoot
0: well here's the thing though if they're f- if they're filming in italy as well when they talk about the 117 million u.s dollars they're injecting into the australian economy mm-hmm. then that can't be the full budget then because no. they're not spending all their money in australia so that's even erroneous to report that that's the budget of the film yeah no that's just what they're spending in Australia reportedly
1: well I mean even on top of that I I don't think you can make any claim about what that 160 million in Australian dollars even means <laughs> you know we don't know if that was you know subtracting out the 22 million in, in Australian dollars uh, rebate they got from the Australian government we don't know if that was just the portion that was being allocated just for there so we don't know anything about the budget yet <laughs> at this point for this film
0: oh but I'm so looking forward to this movie and yeah. who in the world who ever thought we would say we're looking forward to an Aquaman movie. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, so let's move on to some Batman solo news. Yes. Because you had a story that you found, then I had a story that I found, and honestly, it's like, I- I'm trying to figure out, is Affleck screwing with
1: us? I really want
0: to know this.
1: No, I, I mean, let's talk about that first. You
0: talk about the New York Times story.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was, uh, I actually saw this on Facebook. I saw, like, a, a New York Times Q&A with Ben Affleck, and they was talking about Live My Night, so I, I listen to it on the way to work one day and you know primarily it was talking about uh live by night, but of course, you know, the question came up about Batman v Superman and and also, you know, what you know, the solo Batman film and and a lot of people were kind of making a big deal about this because and what I mean by a lot of people is just the internet. Because <laughs> they were taking some of the quotes in here and saying oh my gosh, Ben Affleck says because we still have to get a spring screen, screenplay together. We have to get it together. A real believer in not reverse engineering projects to meet a date, but if you get the right story, the right idea, the right thing, you know, then you can make the movie. Uh And he says, you know, that's what we're doing. And I'm hoping we can get that done. I spend a lot of time working on it. So he goes on and on and talk about it. And so people were saying, well, you know, there's like nothing solidified here about him doing a film. And I'm just like, people, he's trying to promote Live By Night. He doesn't want to talk about Batman at this point. That's the last thing he wants to talk about right now. I mean, he wants to, you know, he wants to put out a film that he poured his heart into and win an Oscar. And that's what he wants to talk about. So it's like, don't take any comments he says about Batman, the solo Batman project at this point. You know, don't take anything seriously. You know, he just... He doesn't want to talk about it.
0: Well, but here's the thing. And then I was following this Variety article because uh, the writer of the article, Brent Lang, was actually interacting with people on Twitter. And it was really interesting because people were asking him questions. And he was making sure that he was clarifying the comments that he wrote in his article because he also interviewed Affleck at a screening of you know Live By Night. And Affleck indicated, and, and this is not a quote. This is actually something that Brent Lang wrote and then later confirmed that this is what he meant to write the article, Affleck indicated that he expected the film will begin shooting in the spring. Mm-hmm. The quote was, we're on the right track with that and everything is coming together. We're still finishing up the script. I'm very excited. I respect all those movies, talking about the other Batman movies, and then he went on to praise Nolan and Bale and, and Burton, and he said, at a certain point, you have to look forward and try to believe in your own vision for it and not be looking over your shoulder the whole time. So, you know, that th- th- the actual quote sounds like, you know, what we've been getting from Affleck this whole time, but Brent Lang went to Twitter to re- to strongly reiterate that when he spoke with Affleck, Affleck did say uh that he expects to begin shooting in the spring. Yeah. So while he keeps on saying that he's working on the screenplay, he's like, but I do plan to have it all ironed out by the spring.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's trying to mess with people. That's not at all what he's trying to do. He just he just doesn't want to talk about Batman right now. He wants to talk about Live by Night. So I mean he's been consistent. When we talk about the the QA from New York Times and then the article from Variety, you know, Ben Affleck is is basically saying the same thing. And he's he's not really giving any details. He doesn't want to really open the door so that he has to start talking about Batman right now. He's just kind of like, he's trying to just kind of push it off. He wants to stay focused on Live By Night. So, But I mean, we've had lots of other indications that filming is about ready to start on that film. So, and one of those indications actually comes from that same Deadline article that uh, originally started talking about Greg Silverman moving on to something outside of Warner Brothers here. And one of the things Greg Silverman said about 2018, and when he was talking about the next couple of years here, he said in 2018, you're going to have, like, Fantastic Beasts film, a second one. Uh, you're going to have Ready Player One with Steven Spielberg. He talked about that there's Aquaman with James Wan, and he even mentioned Scooby-Doo, which I didn't even know that that was coming out. <laughs> and, but he said, and then there's also the Ben Affleck's Batman film. And so uh, this was from the main guy at Warner Brothers right now saying that the Batman is coming out in 2018. So that means they have to be filming next year.
0: <laughs> well, but that's also a studio saying that probably when they'd like the movie to come out. I'm not, I'm not going to hold Affleck to that, even though I think Yes, he's going to film in 2017. It's going to come out in 2018. That's totally what I expect. Yeah. But this is also the guy who's, you know, either leaving or being pushed out, depending on how you interpret it. So, you know, he, he he's doing he's doing his job as a Warner Brothers executive, saying, "Hey, we're going to have a great year in 2018." Yep. So, moving on to some DC TV. Not a lot of news this week, but we just wanted to make sure that, as we're all going into our sort of holiday break, winter break, you know, mm-hmm. or, or hiatuses or whatever's going on with you, that you are when your TV starts back. So, here we go. Gotham comes back on Monday, January 16th, followed by Lucifer on the same night. Supergirl will come back on Monday, January 23rd. Flash, Tuesday the 24th. Legends of Tomorrow will start back on Tuesday following the Flash. And then Arrow will start back on Wednesday, January 25th. And then once Legends of Tomorrow has finished out its run, iZombie will come back on Tuesday, April 4th.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the, I guess, you know, this is pretty typical. I and mean, this is a- about the same time frame that we had last year right
0: yeah we absolutely
1: yeah the one big difference here is that legends of tomorrow is actually moving to the new night so it's going to follow the flash and we talked about this before this is probably the lowest rated dc tv show it's not
0: probably it it is It, it, it just is yeah
1: certainly on a cw and so this is just an opportunity for them to try to you know increase their viewership a little bit more so one last bit of news before we kind of close out the show here grant gustin was teasing a new flash suit and on twitter grant gustin tweeted out this phrase i feel like Barry is past due for a new suit and that's all he said so I'm kind of wondering what your thoughts are Scott and that's why I wanted to have this in our show notes here because what are your thoughts on the Grant Gustin Flash costume as it stands today
0: as it stands today it, it's very sort of functional looking but it's not sleek yes and I am hoping I mean you can look Oliver basically you know he had the same costume like season one uh, season two but then starting with season three he's had a new costume every season right I feel like Barry's got flipping Cisco there why is his suit not getting an upgrade
1: <laughs> well it changed what the
0: symbol color that was about it <laughs> the symbol no that was all that changed that was it and it's it. <laughs> like and, and so they're still dealing with the same suit basically since the pilot right and I feel like that it, it's never struck me as a suit that's particularly sleek or aerodynamic or great for a runner mm-hmm. and I feel like that that is something that can be improved upon mm-hmm. and you know I I, th- I would agree with Grant I think Barry
1: needs a new suit yeah
0: and 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 they've and with Cisco and Caitlin and Star Labs they've got more than enough in-story reasons to give him
1: one well do you think we're finally gonna get a suit that pops out of his ring because that's my guess that's what I think oh, I this is going to lead to.
0: I want, yes, I want. I mean, ever since Barry handed the ring to Cisco in, in season two, and it was like, can you figure out how this thing works? I've, oh, because because I'm sorry, season one, that moment, of all the squeal-worthy moments of season one, watching the ring, uh, watching the suit pop out of Eobard's ring mm-hmm. made me just like, oh my God, they're <laughs> doing it.
1: Yeah. That was my reaction. So, okay, so let's kind of look at the realities of the actors here now- now, you'd mentioned, you know, Stephen Amell. Stephen Amell is in really, really good shape, you know, especially in the first couple seasons of Arrow. You know, so he can fill out any kind of suit and look pretty good in it. I mean, let's be honest. Grant Gustin's not, like, he's not going to fill out a suit like Stephen Amell would.
0: But but he's the Flash. He also shouldn't fill out a suit. He's a runner.
1: He shouldn't fill out the suit. But I've always kind of felt like if you kind of look at some of the um, some of the design of the Flash suit, it kind of, like, artificially makes it look like, you know, he's a little bit more muscular than he is. And so I kind of feel like if they went with more of a sleek design, I don't. I don't know if it would work as well with that actor. Well, see, I I think
0: it all all depends on design because I like, I forgot when it, I think it was like when the animated film Justice League Doom came out and they were talking about the character design for Flash and someone pointed out the fact that Flash shouldn't be muscular. He's a runner. Mm -hmm. He should be lithe and thin like a real runner Mm -hmm. would be, someone who's constantly burning calories. And I feel like they could play on that because I feel like that body type, Grant has.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I've always, that's one thing that's always kind of bugged me into comics is when certain artists take Flash and make him way too muscular. It, like, to me, it just has never really fit the character. Like, I think there was uh, some of the run in the JLA series of comics, and I can't remember who the artist was, but they, they depicted him so perfectly in my mind. I mean, they made him just like you said, kind of lanky and thin, and it really kind of fit the whole idea that he's burning a ton of calories. And so I think they could definitely pull it off. I, I would just hate to see kind of an awkward looking costume, you know, trying to fit his body type. But either way, you know, I think, you know, we saw in at least the, the Flash Forward article from like, what is it, 2033 showing uh, the Flash? Uh, what's that room called? Oh, the Time Vault. The Time yeah, Vault, it's, yeah. It's, 20, it's
0: 2024.
1: Is it 2024?
0: It's 2024 because it was supposed to
1: be uh, 10 years in the future from the, when the show premiered. Okay, gotcha. So at least in the image that they show there, it shows Flash in the much brighter red costume. So I, I think if anything, we might be going more of that direction. You mean going a little bit more scarlet? Yeah, I think a little more scarlet. Yeah, for sure. Okay. so
0: uh, I, I'd appreciate that because that was always the way you could tell Barry and Wally apart <laughs> right. in the comics was that Barry always had the brighter red and Wally always had that really dark red. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the color that they use has worked kind of well up to this point because they tend to, you know, film a lot of night shots, which just works out quite a bit better for, you know, special effects and all that. But I, I just kind of feel like they do need to make it just a little bit brighter. So No, I completely agree. Yeah. So
0: Well, we're with you, Grant. We hope you get a new suit.
1: Yeah, Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, guys, that's all for this week's podcast. And we want to thank you so much for listening. And we hope you've enjoyed the show, the news, the discussion. And, you know, I really appreciate those of you who've been kind of engaging us this week. We finally kind of had a big news week. And it was really fun getting to, like, talk to a lot of you
1: on Twitter this week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've had, my gosh, maybe about three or four weeks here in a row, which has just been really light on news. And we really had a stretch to try to fill up the show. But, yeah, I kind of feel like we're kind of getting back into that rhythm again, you know, because I feel like once we get beyond the holidays here, I think they're going to be pretty jammed. Pack shows because, you know, we've got you know, of course, Wonder Woman coming up next and then Justice League and there's going to be a lot of stuff and then on top of that, all the other stuff that's, you know, going to be busy filming or kind of new you know, pre-production news that we're going to get so we knew we had to get through this period and I think we're finally through it where we knew we were going to have a lull so looking forward to the show kind of moving on from here on out.
0: So as stuff gets a little bit more exciting and you want to get in touch with us you want to be a part of the show, well then please reach out to us. You can always reach the show at our Twitter account, at Suicide Squadcast and you can reach me personally at ScottDC27 and so Tim where can people reach you
1: yep yeah, and then on Twitter you can reach me at Alan Fire you could also reach me on Vero yeah, I think it's on at Alan Fire I'm not really not even sure <laughs> but we but we have a Vero account for Suicide Squadcast so we have that as well you can also reach us via email at Suicide at gmail.com we have a YouTube page at Suicide Squadcast Network and so you can reach us there uh, we don't personally do anything with it but the guys over at DC Comics Squadcast are starting to do some stuff over there. But just to let you know, we do have something. So I think we're legit. <laughs> Maybe. Possibly. Maybe. Legit. Maybe not. Probably the most important thing is we actually have a web page. It's not like we do a whole lot there, but we post all of our episodes. It's at www.suicidesquadcast.com, So you can also check out our page over there.
0: Yeah, we love interacting with the fans, so we hope that you reach out to us. I, I do have to um I do have to give a shout out today. It was it was a request, but um matches balone on Twitter. We were I, I just I I love his avatar. I love his Twitter handle as a mm-hmm. Batman fan. Right. And we were talking because he he, he answered some trivia questions for me on Twitter. And so he was like, dude, love the show. Would you would you mind saying hey to... He, he called you Alan. And I, I understand that. But he wanted to say hey to you and the rest of the, the squad cast. And so mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, sure, Matches.
1: I'd be more than happy to say hey to you on the show. So hi, Matches. I told you I would do it. Yeah, definitely Matches. We love hearing from you. And uh, I, I'm with Scott. I love that name. Especially longtime Batman fans know who Matches as Malone is so it's it's a perfect name well done so guys uh, one last thing we want to say here you know we this has kind of been like a slow period time of the year and this is exactly what happened to us last year as well basically once you get beyond Thanksgiving it's it comes almost to a complete dead stop <laughs> you even see our like our, our numbers go down we don't we don't get as many downloads this time of year understandably because you know everyone's super busy at the end of the year you've got all the a lot of family stuff going on getting prepped for the holidays at the end of the year and all that so but we do want to say this now we have a contest going on so if you leave us a positive written review on iTunes, you will automatically be entered into a DC Comics trade paperback giveaway, $15 or less. And I think we're seven away from the next giveaway. So if you feel like we deserve it, leave us a review on iTunes. It's been a few weeks since we've had a review, I believe, right? Oh, it's 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 been a while. Yeah. We've gotten reviews, but they haven't been written reviews. So that's the thing. The other thing we need to say, if you, if you give us a five-star rating, but you didn't write anything, we have no idea who you are. Because it doesn't tell us that information. The only way we know who you are is if you actually leave a written review. So if you're one of those people that have left us a five Five star ratings. You need to leave us a written review because that's the only way we can get you into the contest. Because otherwise, we have no idea who you are. And we want to, and we and we want to know you. We really want to know you.
0: <laughs> and we also, you know, want to give you a shout out on the show. So you know, leave us a review, send us an email, send us some tweets. You know, just interact with us. We're we're, we're okay, guys. You know, we're, yeah, we're, 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 we're not too we'll bad. Be not,
1: we're not too bad. Yeah, we might blow you up, but I mean, aside from that, we're you know, we're pretty good guys. Hey, we're still here, and
0: we've blown each other I don't know how many times over the yeah, last year. That's true.
1: I mean, you will would definitely respawn. If we do blow you up, <laughs> you, you will respawn. So have no fear. So anyway, well, that's it, guys. We're going to go ahead and call this one tonight. And thanks again for listening. And I bet you we'll have some good news within the next few weeks here. So keep listening. And most importantly, Scott. Keep reading DC. Definitely. See you guys. Bye, guys. scott so i guess what i just got here i actually got the order form where megan fox had actually ordered comic books so it's this is this is the list of everything she had ordered
0: okay but my point is do we have the address at warner brothers
1: we yeah right here at the top of the list it has megan fox's address at warner brothers studios
0: okay okay i know exactly the special package we're gonna send her oh perfect special delivery for miss fox
1: All right. Should we blow up Megan Fox?
0: Yes. <laughs> please, please, please. I love that idea. I love that idea. <laughs> uh, that oh. is what we want to do, Megan Fox, right? Yes, we that that just that's that's inspired.